the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy for Thursday, May 24th. Coming up this hour, Catholic Ireland tested by an abortion vote on whether to overturn the near-total ban. John and Kathy will discuss that shortly. The Ministry of the Disabled, how Christians with intellectual disabilities are serving church, not being served by them. Our guest is Amy Julia Becker. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get things started. Here's John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, good afternoon. Greetings. Happy to be along on this gorgeous, it's like a summer day out there, isn't it? I believe it is almost a summer day. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're still a month away from the equinox. Yes. But still, it's like I mid-80s. Love it. Me I too. I love it. I love everything about it. So Why are not- we in here? Can't we do like outside? Like there, you, we could do a show outside. I mean, it would sound terrible, but we it could do it. would sound terrible, yeah. It would. Well, you know, you have a job to do, so you do it inside. Although, it would be nice to have a balcony. Don't look down on me like that, John. All of a sudden, you're getting preachy. <laughs> I'm just saying. you got a job to do. I mean, good heavens. be nice to have a balcony. Although, we do have a rooftop, which I've been on top of. Um, you went up on the rooftop for the eclipse. New, new Mike and I and Randy, our engineer, went up on top for the, mm-hmm. uh, for the and eclipse. And then you took the infamous picture of the eclipse in a puddle. Because <laughs> you were trying to save your eyesight. It worked. It did work. It yeah. didn't work. It worked, it worked fine. It looked ridiculous. And I took a souvenir. I took a, a nut that I found on the, um, you know, not a nut like a, a macadamia nut, but like a, a bolt and nut, you know. I, mm. That was my souvenir. And I put Your it on my desk. Your eclipse souvenir. That's my clip. So when I see that nut, I go, oh, that's my souvenir nut. Now, meanwhile, like for weeks ahead of time, there were eclipse glasses that you could have gotten. Yeah, we missed that, didn't we? We, know, we didn't need that. No, we, we didn't. We're fine. Yeah. <laughs> we're old school. Yeah, we <laughs> puddles, yeah. You know what? Because you, you guys are just making it work. No, no. I right. appreciate that. With our technical guy out there. Okay, hey, listen, uh, this is interesting what's happening tomorrow in Ireland, is it not? You know anything about this, this abortion uh, vote? I do. Okay, so Ireland, which is, of course is a, 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 it's still very Catholic, but it was deeply, deeply Catholic for many, many years, hundreds of years, holds a national referendum tomorrow mm-hmm. on whether to overturn its strict abortion laws. Poll shows that the votes are very close, although leaning, no surprise, in favor of allowing abortion in Ireland. If the measure passes, it'll be another milestone for Ireland. Um, Ireland legalized contraception as late as 1979. Divorce in 1995, same-sex marriage in 2015. Boy, they're just behind the times, well, aren't they? They're just Neanderthals there in Ireland. You know, it's just a, it's a different mindset. Okay, the Prime Minister of Ireland supports the ban and allows asking for abortion up to 12 weeks of pregnancy, which is interesting because in England, Scotland, and Wales, it's 24 weeks of the pregnancy. Which, by the way, is less than most of the states in our union exactly you have to know that the abortion laws in america are so much less strict than they are in europe so for all the people that say we should be just like europe well if we're going to be just like europe then we should cut down on the number of people who have access to abortion because that's the way they do it there gail McElroy, a political scientist at trinity college in dublin says irish voters are split on abortion along traditional 
predictable patterns, urban versus rural, young versus old. Even if the measure does not pass on Friday, she says it eventually will. There's too many young people, quote, in our cities who want this to happen. The anti-abortion people will eventually age out, if not now, then in five to ten years. That's not the case in America. So I'm not sure why she thinks it's absolutely going to be the case in Ireland. It might be the case in Ireland right now, but what have we seen in uh, the rates of pro-life versus pro-choice people between, what, 16 and 25. Yeah, that's we has see changed. The, 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 um, the, what am I looking, trying to say? The, it, it's, t- it's trending. I couldn't think of the word trending. Yes. It's trending younger. Which is really there interesting, There are more right? younger people who are pro-life now than there were 20 years ago. Although I wonder, you know, Ireland being so staunchly Catholic, how the abortion uh, debate is framed. Because I imagine mostly it's along theological church issues, which is not necessarily the way it's framed here in America. No, but I think in some ways it is. It is in in some ways. But, you know, I think because Ireland is so identified with the Catholic Church and the Catholic Church casts such a long shadow historically over Ireland, many people would sort of shake that off and Mm -hmm. say it's a referendum not essentially about abortion, but it's a referendum about the Catholic Church. Right. Well, that's a good point. And I've, I'm not Irish. I've never been to Ireland, so I don't, I don't presume to speak about what their culture's like. I, d- I really hope that this referendum is, is voted down. Me too. I'll be surprised if it is. I, you know, it's so ironic. You know, we were both doing research about the, uh, before we came to air today, but you read a bunch of articles about this referendum in Ireland. Yeah. And what did you say about them? What do you mean? What did I say about About that? the articles. Oh, the, the articles. So I'm reading in, the, of course, you're reading mainstream media, New York Times, uh, USA Today, and all of them have a very pro-abortion slant. They present the stories of the women who are wanting abortions as being poor, victimized women. And it, I mean, it's transparent right, that like, the writers right. are saying we are pro-abortion. And if you're, you know, if you're pro-life, well, then you're out of step with the times. Just drives me, like the liberation of women is dependent on us being allowed to kill our children. Our bodies, our rights. That's really what it is. That's what they're saying, right? Right, right. Unless I'm able to decide whether my children live or die, then I'm not free. Mm -hmm. I'm not able to be self-determinant. But you know what? Again, how sick is that? When you break that down, there's something sick about it. We just accept it because that's where we are and this is what people do. But if you just stop and think about that, if I am a woman and if I am not allowed to kill my unborn children, then I'm not free. Mm-hmm. Right. Sick. Now, I'm just reading an article in yesterday's uh, paper about – and you hear this all the time. A woman is being tried because there was an accident and somehow she, oh, right. she injured the mother and she killed the, the fetus. Right. Now she's being tried for manslaughter, which right. is which well, is crazy. Right. If and you're if you're following along these strict you, lines. Did you see the news story about the man who forced a woman to take the day after pill? Yes. And he, he himself is being tried for murder. Right. But if she so, decided to do it, then it would just she would be exercising her liberty right. and she'd be living as a free woman. So it's so schizophrenic, oh, that, come isn't on, it? That doesn't make any no, even the courts are sort of chasing their tails around this. So anyway, um, the, the last place in Europe, uh, the a major co- country like Ireland would allow abortion. There are still three smaller countries that are not uh, that outlaw abortion totally. Right. And do you remember what they are? Yeah. Something weird like uh, Malta. Malta is one of them. Uh, it's countries I've never heard of. I would say, I'm sorry. It's in, it's in the article. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but I don't. I can't pull it up right away. 
Right. But it's tiny. Well, you, you, you perhaps have seen this on placards. And yes, it is a slogan, but I also think that it has a lot of truth in it. When our liberation costs innocent lives, it's merely oppression redistributed. <laughs> yes, to the weakest. Right. To those so who have no it's rights. It's not like if I get pregnant unexpectedly that no one can be – it. like if I'm trying to – exercise my liberty by ending the life of someone else it's not like oppression goes away yep. it's just i'm moving it from me from me to them exactly yeah so i'll be curious about that the polls close they open at seven tomorrow morning in ireland and they'll close at 10 p.m results are expected by saturday afternoon. god help us yeah anyway what else going on with you? hey saturday's a big day why? I am, listen, it's Farm Heritage Day at the Spring House. Okay, once again, you're headed down to the Spring House in Washington, PA, to I'm super excited. oddly milk a cow. I milk a cow once every year. You've been doing this for uh, how many years? Six, I don't, seven years maybe? Oh, no longer. Really? No longer. I think we're. I think this could be eight or nine. So one year I filled in for you. Yeah, I you did. You had a, I had a wedding I had to oh, go to. You had a hand injury. No, like no. <laughs> Believe me. It wouldn't make any difference in my milking skills whether my hand was injured uh-huh. or not. Yeah, I'm yeah. terrible yeah. either way. So was you, uh, it was fun. Mm-hmm. But it was totally out of, like, like you. I'm just like you. Right. I'm a city person. Right. Let's be honest. The reason that they keep inviting me back every year is that they like to see me try to milk a cow because I'm awful. Well, of course. We all would be awful unless I'm you grew up on a farm. Awful. Right? There's a lot of fun factor. It's, mm-hmm. you know, kind of let's humiliate calf. Right. And you think about me doing it eight or nine years or whatever, you'd think that I would have gotten better. Well, at the very least, why don't you watch a YouTube video? I mean, I seriously. I don't know if I really want to. What? Because I'm a city person. Aren't you and afraid of injuring the cow? I am. am I afraid of injuring a cow? Yeah. Listen, uh, I think it was Daisy one year. Almost, I mean this sincerely, almost broke my foot. Oh, okay, yeah. because Daisy weighs this. about, I don't know, 1,800 pounds, and I weigh, you know, less than New Mike. <laughs> that's, that's always my goal. I want to weigh less than New Mike. Yeah, you have to be super careful around the big but you animals. Know, I've She's seen, not care. I'm not going to hurt her. I think you might. I've seen videos of you poking and prodding in places you, you shouldn't. That's, that's, I mean, I think you should stop it. Listen. I might protest. I I'm going to go down there with PETA. The last thing I need is you looking over my shoulder while I'm trying to milk this cow. Offering encouragement. The, I'd offer encouragement. I mean, you would not. I would. That's I'd right. And, be, and let's be honest, you're not invited. <laughs> anyway, we're going to be at the Spring House. 12, I am not invited. 1230 to 3 p.m. on Saturday. Please come out. Say hi. I'm going to be at the Word FM table. I'll be milking the cow. I'll be with Marsha. I'm going to be with all the artisans out there. I'm going to be eating good food. And you absolutely can't miss it. Excellent. Very nice. Hey, I want you to stick around. Next on the show, the Ministry of the Disabled, how Christians with intellectual disabilities are serving church and not being served by them. Amy Julia Becker's next. WORD. Next time on PowerPoint with Jack Cram. What is the way of escape that the Bible talks about? Well, three ways that Jesus responded, just as the scriptures tell us here in the book of James. We submit to God, we resist the devil, and we draw near to the Lord. Tune in next time for PowerPoint with Jack Cram. PowerPoint, tonight at 9.30 on 101.5 WORD. At Salem Media Group, we are looking for sales professionals with a rare blend of talent and skill to be a part of our community. First, you know beyond any doubt that sales is your thing. And while your current situation may not embody this ideal, you are still committed to the consultative process, a sales method that incorporates creativity and partnership deeply rooted in a matchmaker philosophy. 
Second, you truly are a fanatic about prospecting. You love the hunt. You think about new business all the time and always have your antennas up for leads that make sense. And third, you are what we at Salem Media Group call an appointment procurement professional. That's right. You're skilled and adept at gaining a face-to-face audience with key decision makers to investigate win-win opportunities. If this threefold identity describes you, let's start a conversation. Call me, Mike Howard, General Sales Manager, 412-937-1500. You know how it is. You wake up and you either feel like saying, good morning, Lord, or good Lord, morning. Hey, this is John Hall, and I have to ask, if the second statement is more like you, why on earth haven't you tried my pillow yet? I've been talking to you about it forever. I'm telling you, once you try it, you'll fall in love with it right after you fall asleep on it. And since you're a kind and sharing person, you're going to want to share that gift with someone else, right? Of course you are. Good thing Mike Lindell, creator of MyPillow, is offering his four-pack special for Word FM listeners. Just call 1-800-961-9207. Use the promo code WORD. You'll get two full-size MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. Pillows, which are great for travel. Plus, my pillow is the only pillow that comes backed with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Call 1-800-961-9207. Enter the promo code WORD or visit MyPillow.com and enter the code to get the four-pack special today. That's 1-800-961-9207 or enter promo code WORD at MyPillow.com. Hello, everybody. I'm Tunch Elkin, and I'd like to invite you to join me, head coach Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Leon Scrum from Atlanta, and Ed Glover of Urban Impact for Man Up Pittsburgh on Saturday, June 9th at Victory Family Church in Cranberry. Come experience fellowship, prayer, worship while hearing powerful messages and attend breakout sessions, all designed for us to up our games as godly men and mentors. From high schoolers to grandfathers, this is for you. Register today at manuppittsburgh.org. Hosted by Urban Impact and brought to you locally by Chick-fil-A of Pittsburgh. I think it's true that that all of us, when we see people in our churches with disabilities, intellectual disabilities, we think, oh, well, we'll take care of them. Well, our our next guest, Amy Julia Becker, she has the complete and opposite experience, and she's written the cover story in this month's Christianity Today called The Ministry of the Disabled, How Christians with Intellectual Disabilities are Serving Churches, Not Just Being Served by Them. Amy Julia, welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me, John. Amy, I feel like we met you maybe two years after your daughter Penny was born. Hmm. Um, Tell us the story of when you found out that Penny had Down syndrome. Penny was diagnosed with Down syndrome about two hours after she was born. So we didn't know until she was already ours and in the world. And uh, we actually had a pretty easy um, pregnancy, labor, delivery. And uh, when she was born, they did, you know, kind of take her out of the room quickly, but I didn't notice much until a nurse came in, called my husband out of the room, and then when he came back, uh, some doctors had told him that they suspected that Penny had Down syndrome just based on some of her um, facial features and other, like, anatomical, um, you know, just descriptors of the condition. And so uh, we were in the hospital, and we were new young parents, and we knew very little about Down syndrome, and it was um, really a, a, a life-changing event for us. No doubt. So when you were first confirmed that Penny had Down syndrome, your first thought was what? What did you think, Amy Julia? You know, I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of grief. I had a lot of, um, even be- in the beginning, I had a lot of a sense of guilt, but I certainly also felt that... Uh, she was going to need a lot um, mm-hmm. 
from us <laughs> and that we were going to be taking care of her even in a different way than we might um, another child. Uh, and really, I thought that would be the case um, for the rest of our lives. And, and that was hard for me to deal with as, as a new parent. And so you start your article off in Christianity Today, and the article starts off with, a friend says to you, I can't wait to see what kind of ministry she will have. And that surprised you. Yeah, a friend of mine, I mean, pretty early on in her life, I mean, within the first month, said that to me. And it started to flip the world on its head because I had only seen Penny, and what that really means is I had only seen anyone with intellectual disabilities as people in need. Um, And so there was a sense of me being the one who had something to offer, that I was superior uh, because I had gifts that, you know, the world values. And when he said that, I thought, could she, could my daughter who has Down syndrome also have a ministry? Could she also have gift to offer? And it really opened a door into a whole way of thinking that, and I thought, of course she could. If she too is created in God's image, then why have I been assuming all sorts of things are not true of her, um, that are really true of all human beings? And that began a, a path of um, just seeing the whole world in a new way, not just my daughter. Amy Julia, you write in your article that 50%, 57% actually, of all Americans attend a place of worship each month, 57%. But mm. only 45% of Americans who have a severe disability say they attend a place of worship each month. So talk about the barriers that exist here in our country that keep people from have disabilities from a full and active participation in our churches. I think there are a number of um, barriers, and one of them is purely practical. Um, Most adults with intellectual disabilities don't have driver's license, and so the ability to transport uh, themselves to a place of worship is going to be a challenge. Many still are living in situations where they are just dependent upon others for those basic needs like um, transportation. But I also think that there are um, ways in which our churches don't indicate, hey, we welcome you here. We feel as though um, we are incomplete without you here. Not just we're going to do a nice thing and make sure we reach out to those disabled people, but we recognize that people with disabilities are part of what makes us whole in this community. I think that's a an ideological shift. So there are pragmatic shifts that could happen to be um, better suited to welcome people with disabilities, but there's also an ideological and theological shift that would need to happen for that to be the case. I see. So then you had this front row seat as Penny, your daughter, grew up, and now 12 years into her life, you see her ministry in action, don't you? I do. I really do. I think what um, reminded me recently of my friends saying that, you know, many years ago was when our pastor wrote Penny a note for her birthday, and um, Penny immediately, without any prompting, wrote our pastor back. And in that note um, that she showed me later after she had completed it, um, she was just expressing thanks and said, you know, thank you so much for... um, remembering my birthday and reminding me that God loves me, I want you to know that God loves you too. And it was a very simple, actually, I think she said he loves you right back, which is um, so cute. And and I just thought, you know, A, how many kids are saying thank you when a pastor writes them, but B, how many of them are saying God loves you right back, and Mm -hmm. how much do pastors need people to remind them that that's true? And I've seen that ministry of encouragement 
happen again and again where people in Penny's life are in need, whether that's if she finds out someone is sick or has gotten injured in some way um, or just even like that they're moving out of town. And her immediate response is to write a note, and they are equally endearing and sincere and heartfelt as that one. So that, we see many examples of her ministry, but that's the one that um, really kind of got me thinking about this again. Right. So then, of course, you're connected with other people who have children with disabilities. So you send the word out and you ask you ask for some insight as well about other people with their disabilities and their ministries. What, what kind of things did you get back? You know, it was pretty amazing. I have said to a couple people, this is one of the easiest articles I've ever had to write <laughs> because I just had this proliferation of stories. I think... Um, I've had people from churches who just talked about uh, children in their churches who also had disabilities who just were incredibly welcoming. They're the very um, kind of mundane but crucial ways in which people minister to others in churches, whether that's through a ministry of just um, being a welcomer or an usher or, you know, setting up and taking down sound equipment and tables, those types of things that I think a lot of people with disabilities um, are able to serve in very um, heartfelt, behind-the-scenes ways. But then there also were stories I profiled in the article, um, a place called Friendship House, which is, uh, there are a couple different friendship houses. The ones where I did interviews was in Durham, North Carolina, where you've got Duke Divinity School students so kind of highly educated, really thinking-oriented people living with adults with um, intellectual disabilities in order for this type of friendship and mutual giving and, ex- and receiving to happen. Um, and that was a pretty awesome story just to hear. Um, Nathan Freshwater is a young man with Down syndrome, and I was able to interview him and one of his housemates about their friendship and the way they've given to each other, um, where his housemate was just saying, you know, he slows me down in a good way. I'm stressed mm-hmm. out all the time, mm-hmm. and Nathan is able to give me um, just get freedom uh, to be who I am and to even explore some creativity. They wrote a song together, um, which I quote in the article. They're really an example of a beautiful friendship. And I talked to other people who've lived in friendship houses who have similar stories, um, I also profiled a a L'Arche community in the greater um, Washington, D.C. area, uh, which has also, again, a a range of people who are living in community together, in Christian community together, and have um, similar stories of just um, giving and receiving of prayer and uh, just gifts of the Spirit to one another. Amy Julia Becker's with us. She's written the cover story in this month's Christianity Today called The Ministry of the Disabled, How Christians with Intellectual Disabilities Are Serving Churches, Not Just Being Served by Them. You included in your article, Amy Julia, two scripture passages that I have read, uh, all, I mean, I've read it for years, tons of times, never thought of them in the context of people with disabilities. Um, mm-hmm. So let me read the first one. This is from James 2. It says, Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? Do you want to comment on that? Sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we tend to read that passage, and I think this is perfectly appropriate in terms of wealth, physical wealth. And as it happens, most people with disabilities do not have material wealth um, to speak of. But I think there is that idea of being poor in the eyes of the world is also the people who are just rejected for whatever reason um, and are on the margins of our society. And people with disabilities certainly uh, 
are in that category. And yet, uh, that sense of being rich in faith and inheriting the kingdom um, that he promised to those who love him. I mean, that's the, the kingdom is about God's love for us. There's another passage that I didn't quote um, in this article. It's from Ephesians, and it talks about um, knowing the love that surpasses knowledge, which is kind of a funny way to put it. But I think that um, people with disabilities and intellectual disabilities in particular uh, might have an ability to understand love that surpasses mm-hmm. knowledge. It doesn't get all caught up in um, having to analyze and think through and have every single question answered and puzzled out. Um, and that is a gift to the rest of us to be able to witness and even participate in um, a faith that comes at its core from love and not from intellectual ability. And Amy, isn't that funny? I mean, and I mean funny in an ironic way. Just this is this is the kind of stuff God does. Is that you are a Princeton educated woman, um, mm. the university and the seminary. So knowledge is what you do. Yeah, it's uh, the the irony has not been lost on me in my <laughs> life that as someone who really prizes the intellect, and that's how I um, certainly that has ha- is how I really came to know God was by asking lots of deep intellectual questions, and I've always loved books and reading and, um, you know, figuring things out that way, and yet having a child with an intellectual disability and being introduced to this whole world of intellectual disability, it's not as though it said, your way of knowing God is wrong. It just said it's incomplete. It's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. It's not the fullness that God wants you to have, which goes beyond knowledge. Um, and so there's a sense of, hopefully, the work that I do, which still is very intellectual in a lot of ways, I love thinking about stuff and reading books, hopefully that is a, you know, contributes to the church. But I also believe that um, people who are not doing that work, and in fact, who are saying, yeah, I don't need to know God in that way, but I do need to know God, and I do know God with a depth of faith um, and from a place of love that I have a harder time experiencing, they also are contributing um, to the church and to my Mm -hmm. understanding of who God is and of ministry and of what it means to be a human being, you know, all of those things. So there's, a again, a reciprocity in who I am and how that is so different um, from many people, you know, with different gifts and with disabilities. We're talking with author and speaker Amy Julia Becker. Cover story in this month's Christianity Today titled The Ministry of the Disabled. Amy Julia, I want to read a, a portion of a short email that we received today and then ask a question on top of it. Uh, the email came from a pastor, Brandon Robertson, who is a, a local church here, Cove Run Church. And he says this, Cove Run Church has, for the past two plus years, has a ministry called God's Choice. It's a weekly service on Thursday evenings that serves those with special needs and their caregivers. Several of the participants are involved in actually serving that ministry through teaching, taking offering, reading Bible verses, helping to sing, etc. We have a we've it's an excellent ministry that has brought blessings and honor to our entire church staff. And I wonder about that, uh, like a, a something that Cove Run Church is doing, are there ministries, are there services, special services uh, that are outside of the regular Sunday worship? What does that look like for people with disabilities? You know, I have heard of that in a number of different places, and in the um, article I profile one church where uh, the church itself is literally almost everyone in the church has an intellectual disability of some sort. Um, And I think 
that those uh, services, and in this case the church, emerge out of a sense of um, need for a safe place for people to just be who they are um, and express themselves in worship. The service that I um, learned a lot about in interviewing for this piece, they, for example, everything, um, they have sign language sometimes and or just um, images that go along with words for people who are um, not able to read what a hymn or a Bible passage is saying. Uh, They just accommodate disabilities in different ways in the service. I think the ideal would be um, in church as in life to be integrated, to have a sense of um, not just inclusion, but of like really being together in our worship. And so that might mean that we have to accommodate someone who makes noises that I'm not expecting uh, when we're singing or who, you know, shouts with praise in a way that seems socially unacceptable or... Et cetera, et cetera. We might have to do some things like, okay, we're projecting it on a screen for our brothers and sisters who aren't able to open a hymnal and turn to the page that everyone else can do. Um, that said, I think providing spaces for people with disabilities to gather um, and to really, again, feel safe and welcomed and able to um, participate in worship is a good thing in and of itself, without a doubt. Mm. Amy Jill, you've done such good work sure and have. such good writing in, over these years, and um, I think this article really sums up so much of how you think and how you've expressed that to so many people. So thank you. Well, thank you so much, and I love talking with you guys. Pleasure is ours. Amy Julia Becker, as we said, the cover story this month's Christianity Today. It is well worth your time. The Ministry of the Disabled, how Christians with intellectual disabilities are serving churches, not just being served by them. Are you drowning in IRS tax debt? I owe the IRS $37,000. Get ready for a toll-free hotline. Take advantage of new IRS tax forgiveness programs that may protect you from IRS collection agencies. They have the power to garnish your wages, put liens on your property, and levy your bank account. Civic Tax Relief can help protect you from the IRS. Civic Tax Relief basically represented me against the IRS, and by the time everything was completed, I didn't owe the IRS anything. Find out about the Fresh Start program that is now available through Civic Tax Relief. Civic Tax Relief's special tax hotline can help you discover all the relief programs available for free. I would recommend anyone who has a tax problem to contact Civic Tax Relief. Just call 800-211-6117. 800-211-6117. Don't wait. Call now. 800-211-6117. 800-211-6117. You know, it's hard for us to say no or wait. Hi, it's Mike with Bible League International, and what a joy for me to be in studio last week on the Two Days of Hope, sharing what God is doing in Africa and giving you the opportunity to become a Bible sender. We're holding open the floodgates because there's a great need for Bibles in Africa. We know we can't solve this for every Bibleist Christian on this continent where Christianity is growing fastest in the world, but where it's very, very difficult to get a Bible in your own language. But together, Bible League and Word FM have said, let's solve this for 5,000 Christians. What if we don't? Well, we'll need to circle back to them and tell them no or wait. And that's hard, knowing they've prayed many years for a Bible. We want to be able to say, those Bibles you're praying for, they're coming. All it takes is $5 to send a Bible. Would you be generous and call 800-670-9110, 800-670-9110, or give it wordfm.com 
today. Hello, everybody. I'm Tutch Elkin, and I'd like to invite you to join me, head coach Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Leon Scrum from Atlanta, and Ed Glover of Urban Impact for Man Up Pittsburgh on Saturday, June 9th at Victory Family Church in Cranberry. Come experience fellowship, prayer, worship while hearing powerful messages and attend breakout sessions, all designed for us to up our games as godly men and mentors. From high schoolers to grandfathers, this is for you. Register today at manuppittsburgh.org. Hosted by Urban Impact and brought to you locally by Chick-fil-A of Pittsburgh. There's a girl in El Salvador who dreams of becoming an engineer. There's an elder in Uganda who dreams of having a community to call his own. No two dreams are the same. Help one person achieve theirs at unbound.org. Clear skies and mild tonight, the low right around 60 degrees. Tomorrow, sunny to partly cloudy and very warm, high 86. Mainly clear and warm tomorrow night, low 67. Saturday, staying quite warm and turning more humid. With clouds and sun, a shower or thunderstorm will be in spots for the afternoon hours. High again, 86 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Thanks so much for tuning in today here on The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Hey, Michael Woolworth has joined us in the past talking about the work that the Bible League is doing around the world. And I've been so fortunate. I've been with the Bible League on trips to see people firsthand go through something called Project Philip and then graduate and then given their very own copy of the Bible. And I'm telling you, it's one of the most wonderful things you'll ever see in this world. Someone who's never had their very own Bible it's a dream it's a dream come true. Truly it is for so many people who were just handed that Bible after they graduate from Project Philip. They hold it like it's a tender, brand new little baby. It's a beautiful thing. So join us right now. Won't you one eight hundred six seven zero nine one one zero? If you've never seen this, if you've never understood how powerful God's word moves in people's lives who don't have the access to, to the Bible like you and I do, here's a great opportunity to partner with the Bible League right now, 1-800-670-9110 or online at wordfm.com. Michael Woolworth from the Bible League. Hey, Michael, welcome back. People have called, haven't they? Oh, absolutely. And uh, John, let me tell you about some uh, listeners who have become uh, Bible, simmer, Bible sinners. But let me, let me mention this first. I think all of us know John 3.16, but how many of us know 1 John 3.16? You know what this is? This is what it says. It says, this is love. Jesus laid down his life for his own, and we ought to do the same for others. It goes on to say, if we hear or we see a need of a brother and sister and we do nothing about it, John is very bold. He says, can the love of God be in our hearts? And let me say this, Word FM listeners, I know the love of God is in your heart. It's what's led you over many, many years of partnering with Bible League to send almost a quarter of a million Bibles all over the world to Christians that you won't even meet this side of eternity, but you've given, you've given in love, you've given in faith, believing God will accomplish uh, His purposes. We have a goal of 5,000 Bibles. We're currently at 3,000. We're 60% of the way there. And here are some of those who have gotten us to this point. Randall of Montgomery, 20 Bibles. Bernice of Pittsburgh, 30 Bibles. Thank you, Melody of Washington, 20 Bibles. Uh, Jeffrey of Imperial, 10 Bibles. Lisa of Alquippa, uh, John, a gift of 100 Bibles given uh, just a couple of days ago. Corey of Evan City, uh, 20 Bibles. And each one of these will get us a Bible closer to our shared goal of 5,000 Bibles. We're... 30, uh, we're 60% of the way there, so uh, another 2,000 Bibles, as you uh, rightly said, John. 100 listeners giving 20 Bibles right now. That's a $100 tax-deductible gift. When that happens, we're at goal. We're at goal. 
5,000 Bibles is what we've said, yes, we can do to help eradicate the Bible shortage. Now, clearly, that's just a small drop in the bucket, but we'll move forward faithfully, right? We can do this. 5,000 Bibles coming from Pittsburgh again. Won't you join us? You just heard Michael Woolworth from the Bible League say, 100 listeners giving 20 Bibles. That's a one-time gift of just $100. Won't that be you? one 800 670 9110 1-800-670-9110. That gift is such a, a beautiful gift. I mean, it's the greatest thing that you can do to bring someone to Jesus Christ. And I only say this because I'm sure if if you came to Christ as an adult or as a teen, you know what it was like before you knew Jesus, and then something happened, and then you changed because you knew our Lord and Savior. Pass that great gift along. Won't you please? A wonderful gift of a Bible to people that you will not see in this world, but clearly on the other side in heaven. In your kindness and generosity, are there a hundred listeners out there right now who would just give 20 Bibles? 20 Bibles. That's a one-time gift of $100. Join us with the excellence of the Bible League for more than eight decades doing this exact work, bringing people to Christ one Bible at a time. one 800 Six seven zero nine one one zero one eight hundred six seven zero nine one one zero or online at wordfm.com. Thank you so much. One oh one point five WORD coming up on Love Worth Finding. Adrian Rogers encourages you to rely on your faith. How's your faith doing? We meet one another today. We say, how are you feeling? Why don't you say, how are you faithful? Feelings are fickle. Faith keeps us steady. Tune in for practical lessons that will help you become a champion of faith. This month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. Today's world craves leaders. Leaders with vision, moral character, and independent thinking. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And since 1986, Rama Christian School in Moon has laid the foundation that makes leaders. Through academic and extracurricular activities designed to be as instructional as they are competitive, through mission and service opportunities, arts and athletics, an independent school where pre-K through 8th grade students are formed to become the independent leaders of tomorrow. Schedule a tour at RamaChristianSchool.org. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-518-4020. 800-518-4020. 
That's 800-518-4020. You run your HVAC unit more than you run your car. But would you go a whole year without servicing your car? Prolong your unit's life and avoid expensive breakdowns with Pellis Heating and Cooling. Pellis will service your system to keep your unit running strong. Of course, if you have an emergency, a Pellis tech is available 24 hours a day with after-hour calls returned within 15 minutes. Keep your family comfortable with a comfortable family company. Pellis, P-E-L-L-E-S at PellisHVAC.com. You know the moment. The homework and dishes are done. Your family responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lay back. It's that end of day. <sighs> That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-comforting orthopedic made locally at the Original Mattress Factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made. Honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com Camping in the great outdoors can be a lot of fun, but it's not the most conducive environment for your next retreat. Antiochian Village offers the best of both worlds, with 300 acres of beautiful woodlands near historic Ligonier, plus all the technology and connectivity you need to make your retreat a success. With 100 hotel-style guest rooms, 18 meeting rooms, and several outstanding full-service dining menus, 10,000 guests every year can't be wrong. Antiochian Village. Book now at antiochianvillage.org. Well, it's not my birthday anymore, and it's not your birthday anymore. It is not. And New Mike's birthday is until September. Far, far away. But it is uh, several people's birthdays that you might have heard of. People of note. Uh, the first one is Bob Dylan. Today's Bob Dylan's Today's birthday. Today's Bob Dylan's birthday. Like mama's homemade dress, Papa's bank book wasn't big enough. And I was standing on the side of the road. I like the song. Falling on my shoes. It's, heading up for the it's, east it's coast. truly on, intolerable. No, it's not it's great. Listen. It's getting through. up in blue. That's fabulous. He's the worst singer to ever record. I don't think it matters. I don't think you, you don't go, you don't like Bob Dylan for the quality of his voice. You well, like clearly. Bo- no. You like Bob Dylan for his lyrics and for his weird, crazy yeah. passion. So that's why there are songwriters, and then that's why there are performers. So then the songwriters who are awesome songwriters give their song to someone who can sing. I don't know. How about... So you're not a fan at all of Bob Dylan? Not even really. a little bit. Like the early days of Bob Dylan, pre-electric... Um, you He's know, an the, atrocious... The folk Bob Dylan. He's an atrocious singer. He reminds me of the schoolhouse rock singer. Yes. <laughs> I don't know that. That's good, Mike. That's really good. I like Bob Dylan. Okay. Okay, his name is not Bob Dylan. Oh, what is it? His real name is Robert Allen Zimmerman. I never knew that. Yeah, Bob Dylan. How about that? Uh How old do you think he is, since you're so good at this game? Um, Which I don't know why we keep playing it, because he just continues to prove how good he is and how bad we are. Well, because I'm a lot older than you guys. No, it's not that. It's that you're really good at this. Okay, so Bob Dylan, he's uh, he's been around forever and ever and ever. I would say ballpark Bob Dylan um, is 78. 77. Pretty darn close. He's 77 today. Yeah. Hey, happy birthday, Bob. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, but it's not just his birthday because he has to share his birthday. Of course. With millions of others. An absolute queen of R&B, Patti LaBelle. Okay, I I know nothing about Patti LaBelle. Yeah, you do. Well, you know this song. Okay. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
what is this? Eighty six. Yeah. What do you? What? 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 what uh, year are we talking here? The the uh, the very 80s. the keyboard so the keyboard sound in the back is like right. super dated. Uh, I have no idea. Although- okay. Duran Duran's got to be the backup singer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously. Right. Yeah, so Patti LaBelle, how do you think? Well, you, well, you don't know enough about no her idea. to even no, guess. I don't guess. Okay, Patti LaBelle is 74 years old. Okay, okay so Happy Bob birthday, Dylan's Patty. got three years on her. Mm-hmm. Um, and strangely enough, and this is not actually a person who's in the recording industry, but someone who was really, really close to it, Priscilla Presley's birthday. Oh. Also today. That's her husband. Elvis, a song about Priscilla. Her one-time husband. How long were they married, John? Uh, I would say t- probably less than 20 years. Okay. 18 years. I'm, I'm not sure. But and, you might imagine that was a rocky road. <laughs> really? Well, they met, right, when Priscilla was, I think, 15. And Elvis was in Germany as a soldier. And... You know, he just fell head over heels for her. And oddly enough, the parents, a military family, were like, yeah, sure, that sounds good to me. <laughs> sure. I think, sounds- I think you at 16 should definitely marry yeah. that guy. So they were married from 67 to 73. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Pretty, pretty short. Yeah. Um, yeah so, so six, six years of marital bliss. So what, years. she was like 20 by the time they divorced. No, they, no, no I'm they, kidding. That's an exaggeration. I think they had to wait until she was 18. I think that's the parents' stipulation. So then after that, you know, you can imagine what that chaos must have been like. Right. Have you ever been to Graceland, which I'd love to go to? Uh, no, I'm not an Elvis fan. I, I'm not a big Elvis fan either, but I still like to go to Graceland. Would you? Okay. Oh, just because it's kitschy. It's so kitschy. I think that's yeah. why it's not interesting to me. Hmm. Kitsch is a little tough for me to take. I don't mind kitsch. Really? Well, there's, yeah, a lot, yeah. there's a lot of it there. Yeah. I mean, he's iconic in a way. I mean, he's part of... The, he's iconic in a lot sl- of ways. Slice of America. Oh, so. yeah. Mike, are you an Elvis fan? Yes, I have to say so. Yes. It's not a all ringing right. endorsement, but it know. is an endorsement. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Well, you don't sound all that excited, no, he doesn't. but I'll yeah. take it. I think he's more of a Duran Duran fan than he's an Elvis fan. <laughs> How old do you think Priscilla Presley is? 68. Wrong. Oh. 73. Oh. Now, Priscilla Presley made a, uh, made a horrible decision. Uh, you mean a plastic surgery decision? Yes. Well, that she's of that ilk. I mean, a you know. truly horrible. I mean, may, may, maybe several horrible plastic surgery decisions, but she's basically unrecognizable at this point. She is. She was once a, a very, very gorgeous. Oh, spectacularly yeah. beautiful woman. Why is that? Why does that? Why does that happen? And you know, the weird thing about plastic surgery is everyone who does it badly, and most people do do it badly, they all tend to look alike. Yes, they all what? tend to look like the Joker. Their, their eyes, their mouth, right. their all that stuff. I feel right. bad for people like that. You know that they're trying to. Hang on to something, and then they end up screwing things up. When you think of her, um, other than Elvis, what do you think of her for? Uh, she was in Airplane, the movie Airplane, right. wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think of her for Naked Gun. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah. Or so, maybe she wasn't in Airplane. Maybe it was just Naked Gun because it was the same. The same producer. Who's and who's the gray-haired guy? Who's Peter in both? Graves. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of her. I don't know when it was taken, and it's just seventies. Oh, no, no, it's it's a more recent one where she does look like the Joker. Well, that just that speaks to our, to our brokenness, doesn't it? Our our soullessness. Yeah, and our we, desperation to hold on to something that we know is fading anyway. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that that's an easy thing. I'm not trying to judge her. It's just such a terrible shame. I was such a Meg Ryan fan. 
in the 90s. She did the same thing. And, yeah, and I just I, – I look back and I think, oh, my gosh, you had such an opportunity to – she was so adorable to age gracefully and just be adorable but be 60 and adorable. Right. You don't have to be 30 and adorable all the time. You could be 50 and adorable well, or 60 and adorable. It's just because, you know, you live in that bubble, right? So I'm sure if you are a performer – and you have your face on camera all the time, especially for women. You know, I think about that. I look at um, men who are on TV. You know, I think about whether you know, you're looking at Pittsburgh stalwarts like Ken Rice or you think of, you know, historically someone like Joe DiNardo or Al, what was his name? Al Julius. Remember Al Julius? Oh, sure I, mean, I do. None of the like guys are allowed to age on TV. Yeah, that's, that's They're the allowed to age. Right. You know, Stacy Smith yeah. doesn't look the same now as he did 20 years ago. You but know why? Because he's 20 years older. So he gained so men gain something on TV the older they get. Women are never allowed that luxury. Well, I don't know. Do you think that's true that they're, yes. they're not allowed that? Look, okay, so who look at someone like Oprah? You think Oprah's had work done? Because I think Oprah looks pretty darn good. And, I, and she doesn't show those signs. looks fabulous. Right. But African-Americans age much better than white people. There's that's the truth to that. There's no doubt about that. Okay, so she name somebody fabulous. else. She looks fabulous. She looks better than she did 30 years ago. How about um, how about Leslie Stahl? She's in the news lately. So Leslie Stahl's been around for a long, long yeah, time. Right. She looks fabulous as well. Yeah, but that's unusual that there's a woman who's been on TV for that long. Barbara yeah. Walters had a lot of work yeah, done. Yeah, I'm sure she did. A I mean, lot of work done. So if you're in I mean, the, locally, is Peggy Finnegan still on the air here? I, think I don't part-time. watch local news. She might be on the noon broadcast. She's been she's had a very long career yeah. here. But it's just it's much harder for women than it is for men. It's, a, it's not that, you know, I'm not trying to like, you know, I'm not cast aspersions. I don't I'm not it's not a negative thing. My only negative thing is when you become addicted to it and you can't stop and then you the, the innate beauty that you once had is wiped away. Right. And that's the tragedy. So is that good good plastic surgery or bad plastic surgery? I mean, if you're looking at Jane Fonda, who's 80 years old or 81. She looks fabulous. She looks fabulous. So she has to have had plastic surgery. She's a multi-gajillionaire. I'm sure she's had plastic surgery. But she looks like Jane Fonda still. I saw Jane Fonda once. Um, In person? Yeah. she She came down to Point Park to speak with her then activist husband whose name is Ted Turner no no the guy who was um he was like a 60s activist I forget his name anyway um I was going into the university and she was coming out she stopped me in my tracks because she's so beautiful oh my gosh she's incredibly beautiful now her politics that's horrific that's a whole other story but yeah I mean so some people are just blessed with what they called good genes Mm -hmm. right right but I do feel bad for anybody who falls to that. And you understand, you, everybody wants to look their best. Of course, we all right? do. You do. Right. But then you just, you're in a bubble of other people that are like-minded in that community. And then you can't I, stop. then I think to myself, I've asked myself this multiple times. What if I was a multi-jillionaire? Would, it, would I get plastic surgery? Like, Probably. Like if money was no option, because of course that's completely off the table. I would never even consider that because that's this is the life I lead now. So maybe I can be morally superior you know, to exactly. people who get plastic surgery. But what if money was no option? Would I do it? Because I would be different if, if money was no to, option. Would you? If I was asked to? What if, what if there was like an advertiser, you know, Ed's health of plastic surgery and Kathy Emmons was my client? Or what about John and Mike? You were like, you know what, Kath? It's <laughs> I'm gonna, time. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do cheek implants. I would like, like to Wayne see. Newton. And an, you do cheek Wayne implants. Newton. <laughs> yeah. Is Wayne Newton still alive? Wayne Newton is still performing every day in Vegas. Is he? Dunk a Shane. He's been, I think he's been performing there for right. 85 years. So anyway, the whole negative thing, I, you know, 
you don't want to make fun of people who have had plastic no, surgery. No, not at all. I just, my heart breaks for them in that you're trying to stay current or up to date and you're propagating something of youth that's long since passed. Developing relationships with other children. He's mainly played by himself. I couldn't find anybody to help me. We did the psychiatrist and the psychologist and the neurologist and all the different ologists trying to find something that worked for him. School really wanted him medicated. I knew that Brooke could connect the dots, so to speak, because it just, there was something just disconnected for her. Something Brain Balance did for me was help me understand why Louie was the way he was. What Brain Balance did was give us a very distinct game plan. We're going to get from point A to point B, and this is how we're going to do it. At school, the teachers can't believe the change that has come about. Now he has a voice, whereas before he didn't have one. So for that, we're so grateful to Brain Balance. It's just been amazing what Brain Balance has done for her. It's a totally different life. Why just mask your child's learning and behavioral issues when you can get to the root of the problem? Call Brain Balance today and make a real difference in the life of your child. Call 724-390-9012. That's 724-390-9012. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I feel like a whole new person. Disclaimer, you will not become a whole new person. This is impossible. You might be able to join a gym or diet program, buy a new wardrobe, get hair implants, but your DNA and physical form will remain the same. GEICO waives any and all liability if you attempt to become a new person, except a cyborg. If you choose to become a half-human, half-cybernetic organism with lasers for eyes, the GEICO legal team would be cool with that, because, quote, laser eyes are pretty sweet. Pew, 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 end quote. GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, Find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters, always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville, for the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. Only two days from now, this Saturday, Memorial Day weekend, I will be at the Spring House for Farm Heritage Day. This is my annual gig with Marsha and the gang out there. We have such a good time at Farm Heritage Day. If you have never come out to the Spring House, you have to do it. It's just, it's a really fun day for you, for your kids. You can wait in line and get an excellent meal. They have an absolutely tremendous salad with strawberries that I get every single year when I'm there. Also, Alabama vegetable casserole. Mm killer option for the buffet killer option there's also the farm heritage tours which are a ton of fun you can get on a bus and go see how the dairy farms work it's great for kids but i tell you it's great if you're an adult to see how a a working dairy farm operates on a daily basis i mean it is a tremendous amount of work that they do and it's just a tremendous tremendous amount of fun to be the observer of it and to just see how that whole production uh line works and you can go into the um into the restaurant part you can go into the bakery you can get yourself Fabulous milk, fabulous cheese, and the greatest chocolate milk in Ever. the world. But like what you're saying, the farm tours themselves, mm-hmm. really that's fun. a blast to bring your kids down there and see it. We did that several years, and we just yeah. loved it. Yeah. So I'll be there from 1 to 3. I usually get there a little early mm-hmm. just to say hi to people. Um, 1 to 3. Somewhere in that time, I will be defending my cow milk and crown because of growing up here in the city of Pittsburgh, I'm just so darn good at it. Listen, that, that thing is marred. I am so bad. I am truly terrible at cow well, milking. Well, anybody who lives in the city, unless you grow up in the country and you work on a farm, then you know how to milk a cow. Everybody from Washington County who comes, and there are people that come every year, they just come to see me struggle. Right. And, like, I'm not going to, I am who I am. And the cows have changed over the years? 
Oh, of course. I get a different cow every year. Every year. Well, yeah. Last year I had Jenny. You think they'd bring back like the same I've had cow? Daisy. I've had Lucy. Those are the three that come to mind. What's remember. the life expectancy of a dairy cow? I wonder. Seen it, you're asking me cow trivia because See? Farm Heritage Day is coming up. Well, I don't, you know, at this no. point, you should ask for that same cow every year so you develop that relationship. There's no, I do. It's important to talk to them before you milk them, which I have learned, mm. and I do that. I don't think it's helping me, uh, or if it is helping me, I would be like unbelievably terrible without that. Mm. Okay, so Farm Heritage Day mm-hmm. this Saturday at the Springhouse. Yeah, I'll be Cal out there be from there. one to three. Excellent. Hey, stick around. Our five o'clock hour. We're going to talk about uh, Billy Graham. Also. A great guy is going to talk about Western Pennsylvania and what it is to grow up a guy here. Stick around. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump is expressing disappointment in the cancellation of the U.S.-North Korea summit. Well, many things can happen, and a great opportunity lies ahead, potentially. I believe that this is a tremendous setback for North Korea, and indeed a setback for the world. Mr. Trump first announced his decision in a letter to Kim released by the White House in which he cited tremendous anger and open hostility in a recent statement by the North, adding that it was inappropriate at this time to have this long-planned meeting. Texas Congressman Jeb Henserling says North Korea is always unpredictable. Anytime you deal with uh, North Korea, it is a, an unfortunate, a roller coaster ride. No sitting American president has ever met with a North Korean leader. On Wall Street, the Dow up, uh, the Dow, excuse me, down by 75 points. This is SRN News. A moo-moo here and a moo-moo there. Here a moo, there a moo, everywhere a moo-moo. Hi there, it's me, Marsha from the Springhouse, inviting you out to our real working dairy farm in 84 PA on the Saturday before Memorial Day for our annual Farm Heritage Day. During this annual event, two giant tents will hold 20-plus old-time crafters, sharing their wares with you like sheep shearing, wool spinning, quilting, and leather punching. Our old-fashioned chore girls will be churning butter kneading bread dough, and rolling pie dough, and they'll need lots of helpers, too. Take the tour of our modern milking facility where you get to try your hand at milking Sally the Tour Cow. The Springhouse Cooks will feature all kinds of fabulous eats inside, too, so come hungry for hot roast beef and gravy, real mashed potatoes, and so much more. Farm Heritage Day at the Springhouse on Saturday of Memorial Day weekend, 11 to 4. Let us share a little of our farm with you. Springhousemarket.com or give us a call at 724-228-333. Want to hear an amazing story? Hi, it's Mike with Bible League International. Lally is the village witch doctor in Madagascar, Africa. She had never heard the name of Jesus until Hobie brought the gospel to her remote village. Lally would come to place her faith in Jesus Christ, receive a Malagasy Bible, and use it to make much of God. How so? Well, she read the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19 after becoming a believer, would go to those he misled as a tax collector and make things right. Lally, in the same spirit, would go to dozens of families she misled through witchcraft and urge them to follow Jesus. Guess what? Hundreds do today, but they live where they cannot access the Bible in this remote part of Africa. But guess what? You can send it for $5. Bible League and Word FM have set a goal to send Bibles to 5,000 Christians in Africa. 
$5 sends a Bible. How many will you send today at 800-670-9110? 800-670-9110 or give at wordfm.com today. Just Pay Half Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh's original deal site. Go to JustPayHalfPittsburgh.com to save money now on Pittsburgh restaurants, events, and family fun activities. Just Pay Half has over 100 Pittsburgh restaurants offering half-price deals. Take a vacation to Myrtle Beach or Outer Banks at half price. Get $25 worth of delicious pizza from Bocelli's for just $12.50. Kick off your spring with half-off carpet cleaning from Sears. Take a helicopter tour of the city with stellar copters for half price. Get all this and more at JustPayHalfPittsburgh.com. This month, drive into spring with a brand new Chevy. Hi, this is Tun Chilkin for my friends at Calusi Chevrolet. Did you know that the team at Calusi has been in business for 100 years? So whether you're in the market for a new or a pre-owned vehicle, you need to check out their huge inventory. They have a great selection of crossovers like Equinox, Traverse, and the Chevy Trax. And you can trust the team at Calusi Chevrolet to make the process easy and hassle-free. Find them online at Calusi.com. Chevrolet. Find new roads. Clear skies and mild tonight. The low right around 60 degrees. Tomorrow, sunny to partly cloudy and very warm. High 86. Mainly clear and warm tomorrow night. Low 67. Saturday, staying quite warm and turning more humid. With clouds and sun, a shower thunderstorm will be in spots for the afternoon hours. High again, 86 degrees. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy for Thursday, May 24th. Coming up this hour, the last will and testament of Billy Graham. At 510, it's manual manhood. Our guest is C.R. Wiley. Also this hour, conservatives fail the NFL's free speech test. Our guest is David French, senior writer at National Review. And John and Kathy talk about Roberto Clemente's restored car. Aren't you glad you showed up? Here now are John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, good afternoon. Greetings. Welcome along for this gorgeous Thursday afternoon here across western Pennsylvania. Um... Billy Graham passed away in February. Yes. At the age of 99. Now, just this last week, surprisingly, well, maybe not surprisingly, the family released the um, the will, Billy Graham's last will and testament, to the, the media. Hmm. I want to read a, a short article from um, Relevant Magazine. Um, the 16-page document was shared to local media and across the country. Uh, they say this, Graham wrote some powerful words to his family asking them to defend the gospel at any cost and affirming them as some of the finest Christians he knew. In his will, he states this, I ask my children and grandchildren to maintain and defend at all hazards, at any cost of personal sacrifice, the blessed doctrine of complete atonement for sin through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ once offered and through that alone. I urge all of you to walk with the Lord in a life of separation from the world and to keep eternal values in view. Billy Graham also seemed to understand that his will would be read on a wider scale. He wrote, quote, I urge all who shall read this document to read and study the scriptures daily and to trust only in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Mm. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, Billy Graham evangelizing even in his will. I love that. (laughs) I love, talk about a consistent soul. Holy smokes. Oh, I wonder how long ago Love that will that. was written. Yeah, I wonder. They do not talk about that, but uh, clearly he was of sound mind mm-hmm. when he wrote that. 
I'd like to do that for my kids. To put that in your will? Yeah. I'd like do you have to, a will? I'd like, I do have a will. I yeah. mean, it's a financial, you know, it's a legal document. But it's not a. But I don't have like a letter I've written. But I, w- I would like yeah. to do that. My mother wrote a letter in her f- final will to us. Did she? To us uh, seven kids. Is that right? Yeah. And it was very moving. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. bet it was. They all gathered around and were like, oh, mom. I, <laughs> she spoke I, to us one more time. Oh, I bet it was. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the vast majority of people would never do that. Would never think of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. But I love that. I think it's, I think it's a wonderful thing. Okay, so good. There's a, there's a good uh, exercise then for you and everybody else out there yeah, to I mean, speak well, beyond the grave. I mean, are you saying that I need to do that tonight? No, no, like, no. I'm already booked. Booked. Yeah, no, no. Just put that on your, your bucket list, things mm-hmm. that you right. necessarily may want to do. You mm-hmm. may get around to one day. Right. Okay. I like it. All right. Um, I also wanted to say that um, as I hear that that story from Billy Graham, it makes me think of how um, how much he evolved. You know, yesterday we had a great conversation with Stephen Mansfield on his new book about the president. Yes, and it's just highly recommended. All the details are available on our Twitter feed or on Facebook. Um, but he talked about Billy Graham a little bit in the book. Yeah, just about you know Billy Graham's associ- association with presidents, and he likened it to how the our current president Trump has. Um, been befriended or has befriended Paula White as, you know, his personal pastor friend and blah, blah, blah. And it just made me think again of how wonderful it is that we have an example of a man who was such a consistent soul, but made a lot of mistakes and owned up to them. Yeah, he did. I mean, for anyone who is in personal life or public life or whatever it is, when we screw up, the very best thing we can do is just say it. Just say it. It's hard to do. I mean, the story about, uh, that we've been reading and following about Paige Patterson and the Southern Baptist Convention um, just been removed from his post this week. Al Mohler wrote a piece that everyone should read. Yeah, we should post it on our yeah, Facebook Yeah, you know page. what? I will post it on our okay. Facebook page. I mean, it, it. you know, when I read the document that came out of the Southern Baptist Church about Paige Patterson, he basically saying that, you know, he's being – he's not going to be in his post anymore, but he's going to be – Theologian in residence? Yes. Is that what it is? Something like that right. on the so campus he'll of the seminary? Campus in a house that's being built for him. Him and his wife will continue to be there. Um, paid employees. So it's not necessarily he's being... Ousted. No. It's like he's going into a soft retirement. Right. But nowhere in that statement from the church was there any sense of we have erred, we have sinned, all of us together have gone down a path in dealing with women that has been um, inappropriate at worst and at best just ill-advised and and non-scriptural. So I think that – And maybe that's the worst is that it's non-scriptural. I think the non-apology is essentially that Paige Patterson is saying – I'm not going to apologize because when I spoke, I spoke in to- context of the times, the culture that I grew up in, and my leadership over these many years. So I have nothing to apologize for. Mm-hmm. I believe that's true. Right. So so then doesn't the church who's around him owe it to its congregants and to the public at large yes. to say, even though he doesn't feel like he needs to apologize, we do? Yeah. I would imagine the Southern Baptist Convention, don't you think that they would at some point in the very near future make that amend? Well, why wouldn't they have made that amend when they were making the statement about Paige Patterson? My guess is because there's been such a firestorm about this, they are going to choose their words very carefully. And now that you know the action has been taken so much so that you know Paige Patterson essentially was forced out that now that they you know there's some space here for them to do things right. That's mm-hmm. what I would hope. Mm-hmm. That's all. Let me read just a little bit the, the closing of Al Mohler's piece. Can okay, I do sure, that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He says, "Where where fruit is not present, he's 
quoting from, he's referring to Galatians 5, where fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, is not present and visible, Christ is not present. The hashtag MeToo movement and hashtag MeToo moment has come to American evangelicals. This moment has come to some of my friends and brothers in Christ. This moment has come to me, and I am called to deal with it as a Christian, as a minister of the gospel, as a seminary and college president, and as a public leader. I pray that I will lead rightly. In Romans one eighteen, we are told, quote, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. This is just a foretaste of the wrath of God poured out. This moment requires the very best of us. The Southern Baptist Convention is on trial, and our public credibility is at stake. May God have mercy on us all. Okay, so was Albert Muller not at one time the head of the SBC? I think think he was. Now he's the president of one of their flagship seminaries. Right. So he has the same position that Paige Patterson had. Yes. So they would be like on the same level doing a lot of the same work. So then you think that although this... His, although Al Mohler's writing has been much more you know prodigious than Paige Patterson's. Right. But you would think that that speaking. alone would be the first sort of volley of adjustment. That's what I would think. Well, that would be great. I, anyway, I, I very much appreciated reading it. I'd be happy to post it on Excellent. our Facebook page, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Very nice. We'll take a quick break, come back. We're going to talk with a pastor who spent time here in Western Pennsylvania and has written very eloquently in the magazine First Things about manual manhood. What is that? Stick around. We'll be back in just a few. 101.5 WORD. To honor their service. Remember, the enemy is training just like you. The least we could do. But for 200 years, he's known who you are. Is tell their story. Defend our freedom just like a lot of other people have before us. This Memorial Day. Duty. We remember. Honor. 101.5 Word FM. Country. WORD. Rendezvous with destiny. Keep our local armed forces members in your prayers. 101.5. W-O-R-T. Increased income is possible using strategies suited to your goals and may require buying multiple annuities. Not available in all states. Results may vary. Guarantees rely on the claims paying ability of the insurer. Producers have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. If you're over the age of 50 and considering buying an annuity, what you don't know may hurt you. I'm Josh Melberg, founder and CEO of J.D. Melberg Financial. My company has raised over $2 billion in annuities, and when it comes to helping you maximize your retirement income, I've literally written a book on it, and it's called Next Gen Annuity Strategies Revealed. And today, it's yours free. In this revealing book, I explain little-known truths about annuity strategies in simple terms and unlock five secrets you should know before buying an annuity. Want to earn up to 33% more for life, guaranteed? It's all in my new book, and it's yours free. Call now, and I'll also give you a second book, The Number One Mistake Retirees Are Making in the Stock Market, and my free DVD showing you how not to run out of money in retirement. If you have 100000 or more, even if it's in a 401k or an IRA, call now. Call 800-732-1515. That's 800-732-1515. 800-732-1515. You know the moment. The homework and dishes are done. Your family responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lay back. It's that end of day. (sighs) That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-comforting orthopedic made locally at the original mattress factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The original mattress factory. Thoughtfully made. Honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com So the only thing really keeping you from enrolling your children in Christian school is sports? Trinity Christian School answers that concern with boys soccer, girls volleyball, and track for boys and girls. 
a well-rounded Christian education with the sports opportunities you want? Now that sounds really good. Trinity Christian School, ranked among the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County. 412-242-8886. This month, drive into spring with a brand new Chevy. Hi, this is Tun Shelkin for my friends at Calusi Chevrolet. Did you know that the team at Calusi has been in business for 100 years? So whether you're in the market for a new or a pre-owned vehicle, you need to check out their huge inventory. They have a great selection of crossovers like Equinox, Traverse, and the Chevy Trax. And you can trust the team at Calusi Chevrolet to make the process easy and hassle-free. Find them online at Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. Each year, over 1,500 homes and businesses across the tri-state are not replacing their cracked and sagging driveways, sidewalks, and foundation slabs. Instead, they're restoring them like new with A1 Concrete Leveling and Foundation Repair for 50 to 70% less in a single day. A1 Superior Process doesn't use foam chemicals but natural limestone grout, so there's no dangerous off-gassing and no mess. Eliminate tripping hazards and save money with the area's premier concrete leveling company. Visit A1Now.com. What is it to be a man? There's an, uh, a magazine called First Things, which we love. We get it on a monthly basis. And in it, there's an article called Manual Manhood. And it's from the July, June, July edition of First Things. C.R. Wiley is with us. C.R. is uh, the author of Man of the House, a handbook for building a shelter that will last in a world that is falling apart. He's also a pastor and spent some time, considerable time here in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, C.R., welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm fine, John. You can call me Chris. I will. Okay. Chris, you're a great writer. I love this piece. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that, Kathy. Yeah, That's I mean, it's, it's really, it's so well done. I, I, I feel kind of badly being the woman who's going to, like, you know, talk about the, the manly article. Um, so, <laughs> so let's start out. Where did you live in western Pennsylvania? Meadville. Okay. Oh, yeah, sure. We know it well. We do, yeah, did, yeah. Were, did you spend time at Conneaut Lake Park? Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was born in Meadville. Oh, okay, great. All right, so, Chris, tell us about how you and your family ended up there. In Meadville? Yeah. Well, my, like I said, my uh, my father, uh, well, I was born there. My father worked for Viscos, which is a firm that doesn't, I, I don't know if it exists anymore. But uh, he was there. Uh, we, You know, I think we moved away when I was about four he went to teach at the uh, University of Buffalo and then later went on to teach at uh, Washington University in St. Louis. And it was uh, after he finished up his time at Washington U that he took us back to Meadville and basically dropped us off and abandoned us. And so uh, it was my, my mother, my sister, and me, and I, that was when I was 11 years old. I see. So, Chris, you start this article off talking about the first time you met real men was when you were 11 years old, and your father was involved in that because of the Church of Scientology. Tell us that story. Well, yeah, uh, my father uh, was an academic. This was the late 60s, early 70s. Everybody was seeking, as they say, but it was kind of ABC, anything but Christianity. And uh, so he was into all kinds of stuff, um, and got into the Baha'is for a while, that eventually ended up in Scientology. And... Um, Scientology is a pretty creepy, freaky thing, and it's everything that everybody, you know, says it is. So it, it basically uh, did all the damage that you could do to a family and, and then uh, wiped out the, the family's financial uh, foundation. And so my father went bankrupt. 
uh, he was involved with a, kind of a clandestine, I believe kind of a clandestine part of, the, of Scientology, which was known as The Guardian, which doesn't exist anymore, but it, it, that's a pretty shady thing. <laughs> anyway, uh, when he uh, uh, left uh, Washington, he was St. Louis, um, he went full-time with Scientology, and he's been with there to this day. Really? So this piece that you wrote... Um, talking about Western Pennsylvania. What is it? Because as a young boy, somehow the experience of being with other men and being engaged in this lifestyle that we work here, that we live here in Pittsburgh and Western Pennsylvania, that had an emotional thread with you, so much so that you wrote beautifully about it in First Things. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as I implied in my uh, my article, you know, the world, the white-collar world, we're you know, people are essentially working with their minds, uh, is a world that often is uh, out of view to a kid. And when, um, you know, I came, when I found myself in western Pennsylvania, I was surrounded by blue-collar guys. And there was a little uh, uh, evangelical church. The pastor's son was my best friend. And so I, I, I went to church with him, not because I was interested in going to church, but just because I was interested in being with my friend. And all the guys, all the men in the church were guys who worked at, for Conrail or for PP&G. You know, yeah. they, were, they were factory guys, blue-collar guys. And they did, you know, things themselves. You know, they, they were hunters. They worked on their own cars. They worked on their own houses. Some of them, you know, owned property and fixed it up. And, and so there was a lot of that kind of thing going on around me, and I saw it. And it was just very different than what I had known as a, when I was younger. Yeah. And it made, a, it made a, a strong impression on me. Right. So then later on, as you grew as a man, and then you started to read, you talk about this connection between, which you say is not surprising, between manhood and working with your hands, which you said shouldn't surprise Plato much, because Plato wrote about this. Open that up for us. Well, yeah, in the Republic, uh, Plato, uh, he... Uh, establishes, you know, this is kind of a, um, a, a kind of a, uh, a a mental experiment or a thought experiment that that Plato conducts in, in the Republic, where he talks about his ideal state, and in his, his ideal state, there's a ruling class, philosopher king, kings who are known as guardians, and uh, he he says because you know the work of the mind doesn't you know uh, entail you know the use of the body in the same way you know other kinds of work that does. You know, men and women can equally participate in this, and so the, his guardians uh, are made up of men and women. Uh, but for people who are in, you know, uh, who who are, you know, in other parts of this uh, ideal state, uh, what he would refer to the chest or the or the stomach. Uh, the stomach would refer to people who who are laborers, who uh, are craftsmen, that kind of thing. At those at those levels, there's a kind of a natural division of labor between men and women um obviously when it comes to bearing children and raising children and so forth but also when it comes to physical work manual work uh there's a very very traditional and we see this all across the world this is not some kind of western arbitrary thing it only happened one time you know it happens everywhere and men and women depend on each other so there's women's work and it's not that's not derogatory there's women there's work that women perform that comes that's very uh important yeah, and natural. And then there's work that men perform that's very important and natural, and the men and women depend on each other. Uh, and 
so in western Pennsylvania, I saw that firsthand. I saw men and women who liked each other <laughs> and depended on each other, were happily married, and, and there were things that men did and things that women did. Hmm. And you say that, so if we fast forward to today, then we see that our conversation about men's roles and women's roles, you're saying is really only possible because we're not involved in manual labor like we were. Yeah, basically the idea is that we don't use our bodies the way we used to. So, you know, obviously when we talk about men and women, we're talking about bodies and what those bodies can do. And a lot of the economy today is cerebral. And, you know, it doesn't seem like our bodies, male and female, uh, really are relevant to that. So it becomes easier for us to talk about you know, uh, men and women being kind of uh, fungible, or they can replace each other or right. do each other's mm-hmm. work, mm-hmm. right? That's not the case, though, is it? I mean, I, I, I love looking at um, old vintage photographs. My father and my grandfather was a railroader here in western Pennsylvania. And so throughout the family photo album, there's photos of my grandfather at work with a bunch of other men. Their shirt sleeves are rolled up. You know, they're standing on top of boxcars or, or, you know, inside of a, a, a locomotive. And they're doing things. And, they, you know, they look like they have a purpose. And there's a skill set there. And not to say that women couldn't do that, but there is something that's so innate about these group of men together in this project that in many ways, um, the only way you see that now in modern American society is in a commercial perspective. You know, when they're selling Ford F-150 trucks on television, we see the image of Mm -hmm. manly men. But for the most Mm -hmm. part, that has been eradicated from, you know, the day-to-day, that we've become soft and easy. We are not the men. We are not the society that we once were. And I believe, and I think this maybe is in some ways your point, that we're, we're the worst for it. Oh, yeah, I think that's right. I think, and you know, the, the observation you made about the men working in the railroad in these photographs, there was a fellowship that those men enjoyed. They enjoyed each other's company. And there was a fellowship that women had that they enjoyed, and they enjoyed each other's company as well. So there, there are these, it's not as though uh, men, you know, worked with their bodies and women didn't. It was just that, uh, and, they, and there was fellowship that men enjoyed and, and women didn't have that there was there was different work, different fellowship groups, and 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 there was a sense that each was doing something important. Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, uh, the sort of sort of the, the, the traditional understandings of masculinity have been particularly under attack or under uh, assault in our society because they're perceived to be a kind of a, a you know an impediment or a hindrance to people kind of defining themselves and doing whatever they want to do, right. but. You know, you, you, you mentioned that we no longer have that. That's actually not the case. If you look at the U.S. Department of Labor Statistics, yeah. that public information, um, everything, you know, if you look at, and they, and they do uh, measure male and female uh, participation in the workforce, you know, throughout a range of occupations. And all the traditional female occupations are like 80, 90% female, and all the traditional male occupations are still, I mean, even really? higher. Still. They're in the high 90s. Yeah, so if you were talking about electricians, you know, it's like 98%. Huh. Uh, welders, 99%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, so it's not as though these things have gone away. It's just we don't want to talk about them. We don't want to think about them. Right. And it's complicated because, and maybe I'm just saying it's personally complicated, because I am, you know, I'm a woman who who's not ever really identified with classic girl th- things like, 
you know, I, I don't know what. You're not quilting. Like, yeah, I'm like I'm not quilting. Right now. My quilting's right. bad. I'll be honest with you, Chris. Uh, so, so, so my um, interests have always been in knowledge things, and so I guess I'm grateful to be living now, so that I have a job that I like. And I wonder if I would have lived a hundred years ago, if I would have been. Like if I would have been dissatisfied or would have felt, you know, like I was kind of a fish out of water if I ended up being a woman who was quilting. And I'm not trying to to minimize quilting. I'm saying that's just something that I'm not good at. And so I wonder how you how you look at that, how you look at how gender roles in at, at least in in professional life are versus what they were. Yeah, I think it works both ways. I mean, there are a lot of guys who don't identify with working with their hands and so forth. So I think. uh you know, it's hard to compare uh, different times because oftentimes our desires uh, are, are awakened by opportunities. So when the opportunities just simply aren't present, people, generally speaking, often pursue the things that interest them that are available. So, you know, it's like, you know, do you know what you're missing if you've never had a pineapple? <laughs> oh, right. You know, you just, you know, if you've never seen it, smelled it, tasted it, you just don't know. So I, I'm, I'm not... Trying to, you know, I'm not. I'm not thinking that. Um, I'm not encouraging us to sort of uh, radically change, uh, you know, the range of things that people can do. So much as um, I'm, I'm interested in encouraging a different way of thinking about interdependency. In other mm-hmm. words, right. people, you know, needing each other. Men, particularly when men and women, in a structural way. I think that's key. I think. What's happened with a lot of women that I see, and, and men too, but but since we're talking about women, there's there's, there's uh, you've got to have you've got to have common practices in order to have fellowship. And what's what I'm seeing happen among women is an inability for generations of women to relate to each other, um, because you know women who lived you know you know uh, who are older and have a certain set of practices that they've performed, kind of feel like they've been set out, you know, sort of the, kind of their older ways of thinking and doing things have been denigrated and are not being picked up by younger women. And so uh, there's that loss of fellowship between the generations. And then there's this idea that the ideal is to be absolutely self-sufficient, which is absolutely insane. No one is. And... The idea, and I've actually come across people whose primary um, uh, point of contention with me on this particular article, but in general and other things as well, is the idea that you that I'm implying that they're not self-sufficient, mm-hmm. as though that's something that's possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, no, it's not the case. And so, never. And so, what we want to do is we want to create a world where men and women need each other, really need each other. Yeah. And uh, not just on an interpersonal basis psychologically, because if you get into that kind of stuff, then you say, well, I could have the same kind of, inter- you know, this emotionally rich relationship with another man, or a woman could have it with another woman. You know, so so what I'm, what I'm talking about is a structural dependency that's intergenerational mm-hmm. that leaves room for gifts. So my daughter, you know, she's very bright, she is in the top 1% on both the language and the math on the SAT. She's Ivy League material. Um, but she's also very, very traditional, and uh, she wants a traditional way of life. So I've, as I've talked to her about you know, her, what she'd like to do, one of the things she, she's talked about is perhaps teaching, being a, becoming a professor, a college professor. 
And my advice to her is, is Ben, that's great. Pursue that, but have a backup plan. And then also, um, you know, uh, think about, you know, yourself as a person who's going to be connected to a husband, a woman is connected to a husband, and brings and you bring things to that relationship that only a woman could bring. Yes. What does that mean? You know, that, that kind of thing. Chris Wiley, Chris Wiley is with us. Chris is the senior pastor of the Presbyterian Church of Manchester in Manchester, Connecticut. He's also the author of a book called Man of the House, a handbook for building a shelter that will last in a world that is falling apart. We're talking to Chris about a, a piece that he wrote in the magazine First Things called Manual Manhood. And, and Chris, you, you finish your article by, by writing this. Human nature doesn't change, even though the world does. And so, over time, things return to form. I can see a world developing in the distance that looks a little like the western Pennsylvania I once knew. It is populated by men and women who think of themselves as men and women and aren't afraid of the different work that their bodies beckon them to do. They even like each other. I may not live to see it, but it must come. History is tethered to nature, not the other way around. Now, Chris, when you write that and people read that, now I'm sure people are listening to this conversation who are not necessarily believers. Uh, a secular world will look at that, and they might be angry or upset with your perspective. Have you gotten pushback on that? <laughs> oh, sure. I mean, I get it all the time. But the the, the point, you know, first of all, I, you know, if you were to ask me how I would describe myself, I'd, I'd describe myself as post-liberal. I've heard it all. <laughs> I, I know all the arguments. Uh, I went to Harvard Divinity School, for goodness sake. <laughs> so, you know, there's nothing that any of these people can say that I haven't heard expressed better by world-class people. <laughs> yeah. And there's no, so, you know, I, you know the argument, my, my, my argument is not that the argument wins, but that nature wins. We're going to see. You know, I don't, I don't need to, you know, start some massive program right. that brings this to pass. Nature does that on its own. For one thing... Many of the people I know personally who most embody secular values are sterile. I'm actually talking about they don't have kids. Mm-hmm. They just don't reproduce. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if you're just looking at numbers, you think, okay, well, that philosophy is going to have to die out just because of math. Yeah, there actually was a book written uh, along that line. I can't remember the title, but it basically was written by a secular, uh, I think it was a sociologist, who basically said, the religious win. Right. But, the, you know, the philosophy has taken hold so much so that, you know, this, the media or the secular world sees that, embraces it, celebrates it, nods their head, and we're all supposed to follow along. Well, sure, there are some vested interests that are, that, uh, are being served by that in that whole process. Have you ever noticed that people who are most adamant about autonomy and, and sort of self-expression and self-creation are also the people who are most adamant about the growth of the secular state, who want the state to provide all of the goods and services that they need to be able to pursue their personal dreams of bliss? There's, no, there's an inner logic to that. They deep down know that when they turn away from traditional ways of life, they need something to replace it. Mm. And that's the state, mm-hmm. the total state. And the state will continue to grow as so long as people pursue this. And so the state has a vested interest in, in, in sort of promoting this way of thinking. Large corporations do too. Large corporations have done really well by uh, pr- 
approaching uh, men and women in this way. You know, if, if families were really important to them, it would be a real hindrance to, the, you know, to their bottom line. So the fact that they can sort of, you know, like cogs in a machine, exchange men and women back and forth is helpful to them. Sure. It, it furthers their interests. It keeps, you know, there's a lot of nonsense about the patriarchy and stuff like that out there. But really, uh, both mega corporations, international cor- uh, corporations, and uh, the, uh, the federal bureaucracy, the, the, the state, are both uh, served by this ideology. Hey, Chris, thanks an awful lot. We really enjoyed the conversation. C.R. Wiley, Man of the House. Shop Lowe's Memorial Day savings for great deals to update your home inside and out. Refresh your walls or renew your deck with $10 to $40 off select paint, primer, and stains. And if you've been craving new appliances, get up to 40% off appliance special values on some of the best brands in the business. All projects have a starting point. Start with Lowe's. Paint offer valid through 530 and via rebate. Appliance offer valid through 66. Exclusions apply. See store for details. U.S. only. You know how it is. You wake up and you either feel like saying, good morning, Lord, or good Lord, morning. Hey, this is John Hall, and I have to ask, if the second statement is more like you, why on earth haven't you tried my pillow yet? I've been talking to you about it forever. I'm telling you, once you try it, you'll fall in love with it right after you fall asleep on it. And since you're a kind and sharing person, you're going to want to share that gift with someone else, right? Of course you are. Good thing Mike Lindell, creator of MyPillow, is offering his four-pack special for Word FM listeners. Just call 1-800-961-9207. Use the promo code WORD. You'll get two full-size MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. Pillows, which are great for travel. Plus, my pillow is the only pillow that comes backed with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Call 1-800-961-9207. Enter the promo code WORD or visit MyPillow.com and enter the code to get the four-pack special today. That's 1-800-961-9207 or enter promo code WORD at MyPillow.com. Hi, this is Tun Shokin. Kick off your Memorial Day weekend with me and my good buddy Craig Wolfley on Saturday, May 26th at the Great Lawn across from Heinz Field for our 16th annual Walk for the Homeless. The fun begins at 8 a.m. and ends with lunch and festivities. Money raised that day will benefit Light of Life Rescue Mission, an organization that provides food, shelter, and hope for Pittsburgh's homeless and hurting. There are many ways to get involved. Form a team to walk, become a business sponsor, or volunteer. For more information, visit lightoflife.org or call 412-258-6128. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our To Have and To Hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Clear skies and mild tonight, the low right around 60 degrees. Tomorrow, sunny to partly cloudy and very warm, high 86. Mainly clear and warm tomorrow night, low 67. Saturday, staying quite warm and turning more humid. 
with clouds and sun. A shower or thunderstorm will be in spots for the afternoon hours. High again, 86 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Well, as they say, fire in the hole. Our next guest is lighting it up today across social media. David French is back with us. He wrote a piece that uh, is in today's New York Times called Conservatives Fail the NFL's Free Speech Test. David is a senior writer at National Review. And David, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me back. Thank you. Man, are you in trouble. Woo! (laughs) I am. (laughs) Gosh. All right. So everybody's mad at you today. Although you have have attracted some new friends, so I guess that's good. Um, You wrote today in the New York Times about uh, the NFL's free speech test. And um, let's go back and say that the NFL yesterday um, at its annual meeting decided to make some changes. So some of of the changes had to do with uh, kickoffs. Some of the changes had to do with... you know, the, the their continued attempt to minimize head injuries, which, you know, I'm all behind. Sure. Um, but, of course, the thing that got the most publicity was their policy on what we're going to do with people that don't honor the national anthem. So, David, why don't you pick it up from there? Yeah, so the NFL basically decided that you're going to have to stand and respect the flag or stay in the locker room. Okay. So no more kneeling. Um, now, a lot of people applauded this. Vice President Pence put out a statement that uh, a, a summary of the league rule, and then under hashtag winning on Twitter, uh, President Trump celebrated it this morning on Fox and Friends. But I had a different reaction. Um, you know, look, conservatives for a long time have been saying that corporate America, America is increasingly intolerant of corporate of, of conservative speech. You know, Google fired James Daymore. Mozilla forced out Brendan Eich. Uh, the incidents on college campuses are just too numerous to mention. And then a lot of those, those are private entities. They're private corporations. They're private universities. And they're creating an atmosphere of intolerance that's telling an awful lot of conservatives, hey, look, you either be silent or toe the line or lose your job. Yeah. And, and conservatives have been upset, rightly upset about this mm-hmm. for a long time. Right. Well, then along comes the NFL, and what does the NFL do? The NFL says, "Do what, you know, don't kneel or you could be fine. And conservatives are celebrating this. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. If, if we want to be able to dissent from the party line at Facebook or Google or Yale or Claremont McKenna College or Middlebury, you name it, um, why are we forcing football players uh, to toe the party line for the NFL. Uh, don't we, shouldn't we fight for the rights of others that we'd like to exercise ourselves? Yeah. And uh, that, that was my basic core contention. Mm-hmm. And it, it's been a little, a bit of an interesting day on social media. Yeah. Our friend Jerry Boyer, who you might also know, he lives here in Pittsburgh and, yeah. um, and writes across the web. He said something to me years ago that I have never forgotten. He said, you know that you're mature enough for democracy when you want the guy you disagree with most to be able to say whatever he wants to say. (laughs) That's great. I like that. And so that's what we're talking about. Are we mature enough? I I really do think that's a good way to look at it. Are we mature enough to advocate a cultural environment of speech that allows someone that we disagree with most to say their full statement? Well, right. And I think the answer to that is increasingly no. Um, 
you know, I, I was responding to some critics and I wrote a follow-up today in National Review and, and I said, look, you know, we're reaching a point where uh, a bank, for example, isn't just a bank anymore. It's also, it has to be a bank that opposes gun rights and defends rights to abortion. And uh, it's also a bank that is involved in social justice. And so banks aren't banks anymore. They're political entities. And then consumers aren't just consumers looking for the best product. They're looking for the best product from people they like. And so often they'll even put up with or tolerate a worse product uh, so long as they're supporting the right ideology. And, and what that ends up doing is creating a very tribal society and a very balkanized, hostile society that basically says, look, I want you to agree with me, or I don't, I don't necessarily think you should be able to earn a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's very dangerous to a culture of free speech. But David, the, the players themselves are employees, so the employer has the right to tell their employees mm-hmm. how to act in the workplace, right? Well, yes. There's no. This isn't the legal argument. This isn't saying that the NFL has to let the players stand sure. any more than I'd be arguing that Google had to keep James Damore employed when he wrote his uh, memo uh, proposing alternative ways to hire more women software engineers. Uh, this is what you, about what we should do, not what we must do. Right. And, and I think we should be fostering an atmosphere of greater tolerance. Uh, in a in a real way, we we just kind of need to chill out a little bit and not turn every single space in American public life into a political battlefield. And that's what exactly it is right now. We need to take a quick break. David French is with us. He wrote a piece today in the New York Times, Conservatives Fail the NFL's Free Speech Test. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Individual results may vary. My daughter was really sensitive. She took everything personally. She had a lot of trouble in school. He had some impulsivity issues that I was concerned about. He had trouble making friends, having a lot of meltdowns, a lot of tantrums. I feel like all I did was yell at my kid all day. What Brain Balance did was give us a very distinct game plan. This is what he has. We're going to get from point A to point B, and this is how we're going to do it. We started seeing huge differences in her behavior. His focus in class and how he retains the information that the teacher is talking about is just remarkable. I don't doubt for a moment that I made the right decision in taking Sophia to Brain Balance. There is our life before Brain Balance, and there's our life after Brain Balance, and the two don't even resemble each other. It's a totally different life. Why just mask your child's learning and behavioral issues when you can get to the root of the problem? Call Brain Balance today and make a real difference in the life of your child. Call 724-390-9012. That's 724-390-9012. Get away without going far. Lose yourself without being lost. At Antiochian Village near historic Ligonier, 300 acres of pristine woodlands await to refresh and inspire you. With 100 hotel-style lodging rooms, 20 meeting rooms, amazing food, and award-winning desserts, it's 360 degrees of mountain views bathed in the warmth of Christian hospitality. Book your next church or youth retreat now at antiochianvillage.org. Commence Exxon and Mobile Field Test. Scientist observes Subject C at station. Subject C forgot his wallet. Subject C uses the SpeedPass Plus app to pay for gas and earn rewards with the tap of a button. Subject C is a cool guy. Subject C actually looks like my cousin Carl. Subject C is my cousin Carl. Conclusion, SpeedPass Plus is the quick, fast, secure way to pay for gas, and Subject C wrecked my jet ski. Yes, you did, Carl! 
Exxon and Mobil. Energy lives here. Visit exxon.com or mobile.com for details. David French is with us, a senior writer for the National Review. Today's New York Times, an article that David wrote, Conservatives Fail the NFL's Free Speech Test. So what we're talking about, David and John, is that we, we, we need, if we're going to be consistent with our values, and one of our values is that we value free speech and, and liberty, we need to be mature enough to say, okay, we are opening up the public square to people who think something totally different than we do, and we want them to be able to say it and show it. Yeah, but the, you know what, though? When I see these guys kneeling on Sunday, I know. it makes me angry. Of course. I do not like it. see that? Right. Okay, but, but David, so that's where the rubber meets the road, right? When, when you hate to see it, but you still have to advocate that they have the right to do it. Well, right. And, and also, I think part of it is all, there, there's two... There's a corporate responsibility, uh, which I think is to, uh, to to stick to its knitting. In other words, you know, the NFL needs to concentrate on putting the best possible football product on the field, and and worry less about the political activities of its players. Um, but there's also a consumer responsibility, and and you know, the the, the word tolerance implies that there is something to tolerate. It implies that you have to exercise some measure of forbearance and patience. And I didn't like Colin Kaepernick's protest uh, at all. And in fact, you know, parts of it were particularly egregious when he would wear socks oh, to practice. Oh, wasn't where, that the worst? Oh, terrible, oh. terrible. Uh, you know, and so he not only did he do it, he did it as a way that was many times it, it seemed to be unnecessarily and intentionally inflammatory. Yes. Uh, and and so you know, but that's where the notion of tolerance comes in. Do I want? Do I want to be the kind of person? Do I want this to be the kind of nation that says, "I'm looking for the products that are never going to bother me," or mm-hmm. "I'm looking for the products that are always going to reinforce what I believe"? And that's really hard to do in a multi-ethnic, multi-faith, continent-sized uh, democracy <laughs> full of people with lots of different values and worldviews. And you know, look in our in our polarized times, we, we got we kind of have a choice. Each one of us, do we want to contribute to that, or do do we want to be part of the solution? And and the nice thing about it is, look, I can disagree all day with Colin Kaepernick, and I wrote quite a bit when he first started his kneeling protest, saying he should not be doing that. I don't want him to do that. Um, I I can actually disagree with a person while still believing that they should have the right. Mm-hmm. And opportunity, opportunity to say their piece. Right. Right. But if Colin Kaepernick read one of your pieces, and I remember those, if he read one of those, one of your pieces, and he was convinced, he changed his mind, and then he decided not to kneel. That's different than him being compelled not to kneel. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And especially in the context of saluting the flag. I mean, the salute to the flag is supposed to be a demonstration of national unity. Uh, it's supposed to be a demonstration. It's supposed to be something, a moment that brings us all together across political differences. If you're rising because you have to, that is not a demonstration of unity. It's, a dem- it's an exercise of coercion. And that is, goes against the very purpose of the entire exercise. Of course, so, right. You know, if you're saying, hey, I love conformity, that is very different from saying I love unity. And I think most Americans would pre- would prefer unity over forced conformity. No doubt. Mm-hmm. So then, David, if well, they say they would, 
But I'm starting to wonder if that's true. Maybe so, right. Okay, so then, David, if in a perfect world, if you were the commissioner of the NFL, you would have proposed what? I would just I would say uh, that it is the preference of the league that players rise. However, um, they, as long as they do not disrupt the uh, the national anthem ceremony itself, that they are free to express themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know what? If you're relaxed about it, if you're actually relaxed about it, there's going to be very little backlash. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the reasons why this issue became so big is President Trump, right when these kneeling protests were dying out, I think the week before he raised it to national debate, there were six players in the whole NFL who were kneeling. Six. Then he he raised it to you know top of page one, and it was more than 200 players. You know, one thing that's really interesting about the NBA, the NBA, for example, is uh, a league where a lot of the players are very socially engaged, very socially active. A lot of them are very engaged and active in progressive causes, but they've never had any kneeling. You know, why is that? One of the reasons why is that players in the NBA understand and know that the league itself supports them and Mm. the league itself is not trying to censor them. Mm, So what they do is they... they reciprocate to the league by not giving the league unnecessary problems. It's a because that's not in the, that's uh, not in their best interest anyway. Exactly, exactly. So there's a atmosphere of mutual respect. One of the problems we have in the NFL is there is not an atmosphere of mutual respect between owners and players. And I think that exacerbates mm-hmm. things tremendously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you're right. And I yeah. also think that there's, to me, there as I don't want to see that. I don't want to see somebody disrespect the flight. Just, get so, the worst. Oh, just However, there was one thing that I, in some ways, respected and thought was just quintessentially American, which was you said, you know, there was one week where there were only six players that were kneeling. And then the president came out and said, you know, all you, you know, SOBs should be fired if you're kneeling. And the next week there were like. 200 players. 200 players. What I liked is that that truly is quintessentially American, yeah. which is don't you tell Stick me. To the man. Right, don't you tell yeah. me what I have to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know what? That that was that was something. And, it, and also when you talk about who are you who are you ordering to stand, you're you're directing that to football players who have prided themselves since their since their early childhood on showing an an unusual amount of toughness and courage. Mm. And so you're basically challenging these people, do what I say, with no ability to back that up at all. And so you're really challenging, in a lot of ways, he was challenging how tough are you, how much courage do you have, and 200-plus players said, well, what are you going to do now? (laughs) And, And so I totally, I looked at that, that kneeling those weeks, the first couple of weeks after Trump laid down that challenge, not as disrespecting the flag, but as defying President Trump. Mm-hmm. And those are two different things. They surely are. And, you know, you would think that after all this time, as the uh, NFL season gets underway in late August and September, that they would have had, you know, this thing under you know, under control. But it's going to be chaos again, because as part of this, I read yesterday that the owner of the uh, the jet, the New York Jets, they're saying, well, if you fine us, then the ownership will pay the fines, which just adds a whole nother flavor to the stew. Yeah, but it depends on how big the fines are, because that number has not been released. No, it has not. Well, I guarantee you the owner of the Jets could pay the fine no matter what. I'm sure he can. Yeah, but how long is he going to want to? I mean, he didn't get to his, you know, economic position by just tossing money away. (laughs) Exactly. That's true. But, you know, that that goes back to the the dysfunction in the NFL. 
you know, you have a, a league that is poorly run compared to the NBA. It is poorly run. Uh, the owners and the players are in many ways deeply alienated from each other for reasons that go back a decade or more mm-hmm. uh, related to issues like player safety, player health, yep. uh, the o- owners suppressing information and research that could have helped players. Uh, you know, So there's a lot of bitterness there that doesn't exist in the NBA, and it just goes to show the importance of wise leadership. I'm into that. Hey, David, thanks an awful lot. It's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Our pleasure. David French, senior writer for the National Review. In today's New York Times, he wrote an article, Conservatives Fail the NFL's Free Speech Test. David French. The nation's largest Christian music festival, Creation Northeast, celebrating its 40th anniversary, returns to Agape Farm in Mount Union, Pennsylvania, June 27th through the 30th, featuring Toby Mack, 14 in Country, Jeremy Camp, Bethel Music, Mandisa, Hillsong Young and Free, Jordan Feliz, a special reunion of classic Petra and more, plus speakers Tony Nolan, Reed Saunders, Keith Adams, Abdu Murray, Vince Vitale, and more. Join thousands of believers at Creation Northeast. It will be the highlight of your summer, maybe your life. More info at creationfest.com. For Victims of drunk and drug driving, our grief is unique, but you are not alone. Matt is here to help. Call our 24-hour victim helpline at 877-MAD-HELP or visit mad.org. That's M-A-D-D dot O-R-G. Dentistry, in my opinion, shouldn't be a fear-inducing experience. And it really, I think, goes a long way for patients when I'm able to develop that one-on-one relationship with them. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Finding a Christian school that meets your students' needs and your high standards is simple. Visit PittsburghChristianSchools.net and discover Greater Pittsburgh's best Christian schools, links to their websites, location information, and more. PittsburghChristianSchools.net. You know that really cool show, um, Mike, you'll know the name of it. It's, you know how the pens do in the room? That comes on, you know, if a Pens game is canceled or after the Pens game is over. You know what yes, I'm talking about. Yes. It's so good. It's so good. Well, there's the Pirates version. What's oh, yeah, it called? sure. I don't know. I don't know. It's not called In the Room, but it's that same kind yeah, of thing. I don't like, even know they did that. Oh, yeah. yeah it's like really good. Rain delays yeah. and things like that. Uh, uh, what's his name? Is Minkowski. What's his first name? He hosts it. No. Bill, Bob, whatever. He does a great job. Um, such a great job. That yeah. I <laughs> and your point is. <laughs> right. Anyway, there was a story they did about Jordy Mercer last season yeah. and his parents. And Jordy Mercer's parents decided when he got picked up by the Pirates um, that they would sell their house and they would buy an RV and their whole life would just be traveling around, going to all different ballparks, all different cities and watching Jordy play baseball. Oh, that's so cool. So the two of them live in an RV with their little super tiny dog and they just go wherever. Really, now it that, was a great story. It was that a takes great a story. They kind love, of relationship. They love their kid. They love baseball, and they just have really embraced this lifestyle. The RV yeah. lifestyle. Yeah, they've really embraced it. I love the story. I'd love to have an RV. Yeah, well, I th- me too. Would you? Oh yeah, oh, definitely. Wait Heck a yeah, minute. Man. What? Travel yeah. across the country without a doubt. Oh, I'd love to do that. Hands down. Give yeah. me that in a hot minute. If it was parked outside right now, I'd jump in that Wait, thing and go. I had no idea you guys would be really? into this. What? It's cool, man. Okay, but what about the like your you're in the same place all the time. No, you're not. You're driving. But you're, it, 
you're like, but you're driving like a super tiny apartment. You didn't like your little apartment in Manhattan. You want to drive it around all the time? No, it wouldn't matter. No, you're driving across the country. I'm not going to say I want to spend the next 20 years there. Okay. But to spend a couple of years in So this is not a permanent move, but you think you'd do it for a couple of years? Oh, I'd love to do it for a couple of years. Mike, would you do it in a couple of years? Hands down. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. I just saw this article today. Will Campbell wrote it in some online journal. I wish I would have written down, but I didn't, but I'll give Will credit. Anyway, RV sales are booming. Really? They're 35% higher than they were two years ago. And guess what? Millennials are buying RVs. What? Millennials are? Millennials are are buying RVs. That small house thing. Right? On wheels. Yeah, it's like that, I guess. I like it. I I should get the ride home with John and Kathy RV. Yeah. Born to be wild. Here we go. Don't put our picture on the back. Ride home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. This is Owen Strand for townhall.com. Modern men are in trouble. Just saying that sentence is a great way to get a reaction today. Some people scoff, others nod their head in sadness. In our soft, fuzzy, gender-neutral age, the psychologist Jordan Peterson has dared to raise this matter in public. In a recent New York Times profile... His interviewer laughed at him for suggesting that men are failing today. But look all around us. 97% of mass shooters are men. Men are leaving their families in record numbers. Men have dropped out of the workforce. And for every six college degrees earned by women, men earn four. We don't need to see the sexes as competing. We want men and women both to flourish. But we can't miss this today. Modern men are in trouble. It's a spiritual issue. It's a cultural issue. And solutions aren't simple. But we need more voices admitting that we've got a problem. I'm Owen Strand. The Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy, America's unique graduate leadership degree, offered on its most beautiful campus. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.